If you take care of your mornings, the rest of your life takes care of itself. Because if you take care of your morning, it takes care of your day and your days slip into weeks, your weeks slip into months, your months slip into years. And he said, that's how you create a world-class life. And it all began with the morning. Welcome to Elevate, a podcast about achievement, personal growth, and pushing limits in leadership and life. I'm Robert Glazer, and I chat with world-class performers who have committed to elevating their own life, pushing the limits of their capacity, and helping others to do the same. This episode was previously recorded and published on the Outperform podcast. Today's quote is, my future starts when I wake up in the morning. Thought-provoking words from Miles Davis. Our guest today on Outperform is Hal Elrod. In his best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, Hal writes a lot about the importance of a morning routine and its impact on not just your day, but your whole life. He's also an international keynote speaker, success coach, and genuine great guy. So welcome, Hal. It's uh, great to have you on Outperform. Bob, thank you for having me, man. This is uh, a long time coming. <laughs> it, it is. We're going we're gonna to make it worth it. Awesome. First off, you know, I, I guess I just have to thank you. You know, you wrote one of my favorite books, The Miracle Morning, which I've shared with a lot of people, both outside the company and inside the company. We gave it to everyone, and I have we have had people even presenting on their on their little Miracle Mornings that they've started uh, in different versions. So it's really a gift that you've given to uh, a lot of people out there. Yeah, you're, you're welcome, and thank you, man. That that means a lot to me. It really does. Yeah, the community, um, we'll get into this a little bit, but the community that Hal has built just around the Miracle Morning is pretty incredible beyond the book itself. But actually, let's wade into what I think you referred to as the humble beginnings part of, uh, of your story. And let's talk a little bit about what you were doing before you decided to write the Miracle Morning. Yeah. So my background is in sales. Um, actually, it was as a radio DJ. That was my dream that I was living when I was uh, 19. I had just finished my first year of college and I was DJing on the radio. And a buddy of mine sold Cutco cutlery, kitchen, you know, high-end kitchen knives. And it's uh, in-home presentations, which to me was like so foreign and so odd and not at all appealing, right? And uh, he just, he always would bug me and go, Oh, you, Al, you'd be great. It's just all you need is personality. The product sells itself. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I'm a DJ. Like, no, no thanks. And uh, one day I just happened to be with him when he went into his office and I met the manager. And the manager, just something about him, just, I just, I fell in love with this guy. Really cool guy, really authentic and um, not at all what I expected. And I was like, You know what? I'll give it a shot. And 10 days later, I had sold $15,000 of Cutco kitchen knives and set the new company record. Totally unexpected. And that was kind of my start into, you know, beyond like basically once I left college or high school doing something different. And really also my first time doing anything really um, like at a high level. I was a really mediocre kid. I didn't get good grades. I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't popular. And this was the first time I kind of I, I tapped into the belief that my mentor Jesse had. And I went, wait a minute. You know, he thinks I could do these great things. Maybe he's right and my insecurities are wrong, right? And I think it's important for all of us. I think that's just one of the first things that anyone who's achieved great success, at some point, they saw themselves as better than they had ever been before. And if they had to borrow, like for me, I had to borrow that belief from my mentor. Like I didn't, if it was without him, I wouldn't have been able to tap into it. I needed somebody to tell me that. Well, I'm, I'm telling you that if you're listening, right? You've got to see yourself as better than you've ever been before and, and really create your perception, not based on your past, but based on your potential, 
right? You know, view into your unlimited potential. And so fast forward 2008, I had left Cutco. I'd hit Hall of Fame with the company and kind of decided I wanted to start my own business. I became a coach. And in 2008, when the economy crashed, I crashed with it. And I lost over half of my clients, lost over half of my income, uh, my, lost my home. I couldn't pay my mortgage. The bank took my house back. Uh, I went from being in the best shape of my life physically to tripling my body fat percentage in a six-month period. Wasn't exercising, wasn't eating right. It was just really a, a, really a rock bottom. I was really depressed, really down, really scared. Nothing was working. And to keep a, a long story not as long, um, I just went on this quest online to Google what do the world's most successful people do every day for their personal development? And that was this quote that I heard from Jim Rohn where he said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And when I heard that, it resonated in this way where I went, wait a minute, I want level 10 success in every area of my life. And I think that's true for all of us, right? Everybody wants, on a scale of one to 10, we want level 10 health, level 10 finances, level 10 relationships, level 10 happiness. We want level 10 and for life to be as good as it can be. But what I realized from that quote from Jim Rohn is my level of personal development was not at a 10. It was at like maybe a two or like a three on a good day. And that's the disconnect. If you can, you know, if everybody listening, like put your right hand up at a level 10, like, you know, up high, put your left hand down at a two and then cross them parallel and look how far apart they are. And I believe that's the disconnect for our society is we want level 10 success in every area, but very few people are dedicated to becoming a level 10 person through daily personal and professional development. And so the way the story kind of wraps up, I went home and I had this vision. I was like, I've got to create the most extraordinary personal development ritual known to you know humanity. And that is where the Miracle Morning was born. It wasn't an idea for a book. It wasn't, and it wasn't called the Miracle Morning initially. But within two months of doing this ritual, which you know I know we'll get into this today and what it is. But within two months of doing my morning ritual, and I wasn't a morning person. That's an important. Piece is I like I, when I went into this, I was like, uh, I can't wake up early. And then I realized that many, many successful people wake up early. And I thought, all right, if I want my life to be different, I have to be willing to do something different first. And within two months of doing this morning ritual, I had more than doubled my income. I went from being in the worst shape of my life physically and had never been a runner to committing to run a 52 mile ultra marathon as a way to just really stretch myself and my capacity. And I went from being depressed to the happiest and, and most confident I had ever been. And this was in a two-month period. And because my life changed so quickly and so dramatically, I told my fiance at the time, I said, it feels like a miracle. I'm, gonna, I ca- I'm calling this my... This is like my miracle morning routine. And so I started doing my miracle morning in my schedule every morning at 5 a.m. And a few months later, I taught it to a few people. And every single one of them went from how... I'm not a morning person, but it's pretty convincing. I'll give it a try for like a week. And everybody came back on the coaching calls and said, Oh my gosh, Hal, I took your tips to heart. I am a morning person when I've never been one in my life. And I just had the best week in my career. I just you know, started running again. I started eating better. I started reading them, you know, all these amazing results. And that's when the light bulb went off. And I went, wait a minute. It changed my life and it changed Katie's life and Taylor's life and Jerry's life and all my clients that I taught it to. And none of us were warning people before we started implementing this stuff, this could change anybody's life. And that's when I felt I've got to write a book. And the book published 12, 12, 12. And now it's one of the you know, best-selling and highest-rated books on Amazon. 
Oh, that's it. <laughs> I'm curious. So did you find, when you settled on the morning, did you find some science around that? Did you happen into that? Were you reading routines of other people? What, what made you focus on, on the morning per se? Yeah. So my, my Google searches in the beginning, because I heard that quote from Jim Rohn, I'll say it again, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. So I started Googling best personal development routines best personal development rituals, phrases like that. And when I through those searches, I kept seeing articles on morning routines and morning rituals. But because I had a limiting belief, which many people have that says, I'm not a morning person. I've tried. It doesn't work for me. I'm a night owl, whatever. I had that voice in my head. So I just skipped those articles. And I was like, I just kept going, reading other articles. And I came across many practices that none of them are new. I mean, these are timeless, right? Meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, journaling, right? These are all, you know, the practices of the most successful people for centuries. But I kept coming across morning rituals and I don't remember, I wish I could remember the article, but there was an article in one of the Google searches that caught my attention. Like the headline caught my attention on morning routines. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I clicked on it and I read it. And it basically convinced me that a morning ritual is not just awe option. Like it is not just one option that would have the same impact as any other option. It's arguably the most important option. It's the linchpin for the rest of your day. Right. right? And in simple terms, if you win the morning, you put yourself in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state in the morning. If you do that, then you go into your day in a peak mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual state. And in other words, the best version of you is taking on the day. And that's all dictated by the morning. And you know, I know for me and many people, it's like my morning before that was hitting the snooze button until the last possible moment, dragging myself out of bed, rushing to get out the house and really doing nothing productive. And on the mornings I woke up early, I just checked Facebook or watched TV or whatever, you know, right? And so that was it. It was, and there was a lot of science behind the morning rituals, but I basically just, once I read that article, I started, I went back in my browser and started reading a bunch of these articles on morning rituals. And it was, it was just, you couldn't argue it. It was like, no, no, no. How you start your day sets the tone and the context and the direction for how you, the rest of your day. Period. It's like it's you know, and it doesn't even take. There's science behind it, but it's just it's just common sense. You're like, yeah, that totally makes sense, right? It's like a, an athlete warming up before a game. Think of it that way, right? An athlete warming up before a game. They get their body ready. They get their mind ready. They're repeating affirmations. They're visualizing, right? They're putting themselves in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state so that when they get on the court or they get on the field. They're the best version of themselves so that they win the game. And if we want to win at life, the morning is the key to doing that. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time, and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. 
When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. And, you know, Dan Pink talks about in his new book, When, how important beginnings are. So I assume that, right, you start the morning well, you start the day well, you start the day well, you start the week well, start the week well, you start the month well. It's just that that effect carries forward. Yeah, that's what Robin Sharma. We so we just finished filming and we're releasing the Miracle Morning movie. It's a documentary about morning rituals, and we interviewed a lot of world class athletes and authors and all all sorts of different you know CEOs. Uh, and Robin Sharma, who is a you know multiple time New York Times best selling author, that's how he put it. He goes, "If you take care of your mornings, the rest of your life takes care of itself. Because if you take care of your morning, it takes care of your day, and your days slip into weeks, your weeks slip into months, your months slip into years." And he said, that's how you create a world-class life. And it all began with the morning. And we have more motivation, I think, in the beginning, right? Motivation tends to wear later on. Well, you ran across the acronym quickly, but will you, uh, it's hard to get you to slow down with your, with your <laughs> net trend. But will you, will, you, will you explain to everyone the SAVERS acronym, um, which you helped me to yeah. easily remember the six rituals or habits and give them quick how you arrived at those? Yeah. And I owe the acronym to my wife. So what happened was when I was that first morning, I was searching best personal development practices, rituals, routines. And I came across six different practices that were kind of just showing up over and over and over and over again. Now, my first thought was, well, none of these are new. And you know, it's like our brain is trained to look, we want the new iPhone, we want the new app, we want the new, right? The new TV series. So like we want new and I'm like, meditation, like, yeah, I've heard of that. You know, it's almost like if we've heard of it, we dismiss it, which is so silly. You know, like if it works, it works. And if it's worked for centuries, then it really works, right? So I almost dismissed it. And then I'm like, all right, all right, I got to do one of these. And then I go, which one of these six should I do? Which is the best one? And I'm going reading article after article and none of them is the best. It literally is. You read about a millionaire or billionaire that swears by meditation. In fact, I read an article, Fortune 500 CEOs that swear by meditation. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then I come across article, you know, Will Smith talking about how affirmations were his key to becoming one of the highest paid Hollywoods in or actors in Hollywood. He wrote down affirmations that basically cemented his vision for what he wanted and who he needed to be to achieve what he wanted. And he read it over and over and over, programmed his subconscious mind until he that became his reality, right? So I'm reading these things and I'm like, they're all equally effective. And then the epiphany was, what if I did all six of these? What if I woke up tomorrow and since I'm, I don't know how to really do most of it. I don't know how to meditate. I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't know how to visualize. What if I just divide it by six by 10 minutes each, right? So one hour, 10 minutes for each of these. I thought that would be like the ultimate morning ritual. It'd be the six most powerful, proven, timeless personal development practices in the history of humanity. And so I woke up the next morning and I did all six and I was terrible at them. 
but even being terrible at them, I felt incredible. And keep in mind, my life was at a rock bottom. Like I was $52,000 in personal credit card debt. My house was being foreclosed on by the bank. I was in terrible physical shape, right? I was a mess on the outside. But on the inside, after that first day of doing the savers, and I'll, I'll wrap these up real quick, I felt incredible. And I thought if I start every day like this, even though I was like, today I was bad. If I get like, I'm going to get better at this. But if I start every day, even this good doing this bad, it's only a matter of time before my life changes. And so it was later when I was writing the book and I was frustrated trying to organize these six practices. My wife saw me. Uh, I came out of my, the, my office and at home and I was frustrated. She goes, What's wrong? I said, I've got these six practices, but they're not organized in any way. Like Stephen Covey's got the ha- seven habits of highly effective people, and Robert Kiyosaki's got the cash flow quadrant. I'm like, I got these six hodgepodge practices. She goes, Why don't you get the thesaurus out and see if you can find words that match some of the words and create an acronym? I was like, you know, kissed her on the face. I'm like, you are brilliant. And so meditation became silence. That's the first S in savers. And then journaling became scribing, which is the last S in savers. And then the A in the, is for affirmations. The V is for visualization. The E is for exercise. The R is for reading. And there you have the savers, right? So silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And I'll say two things on this, and then I'll turn it back over to you, which number one, the way that I taught these in the book is very different from the way that I've read about them from you know 95% of the people that teach them. Like for example, affirmations are often taught in one of two ineffective ways. Number one, lie to yourself, <laughs> meaning you want to be a millionaire. Just put the words I am in front of millionaire and tell yourself that over and over until you believe it. I am a millionaire. I am a millionaire. But like we're smart. And if we're not a millionaire, right? If we're not even a thousandaire, every time you try to affirm it, you're like, you know, BS. Like that's not even true. I'm lying. And then you're like, shut up, shut up. You're doing your affirmations. It'll work, right? So you're fighting with truth. The truth will always prevail. So the way I teach affirmations in the book are not based in a lie or the other way they're taught which is these passive language like, I'm a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly. Like, no, it doesn't. That's not how money works. You have to work for money. You have to create value, add it to the world. The world will pay you for it. Like, that's how money works. It doesn't work because you're a magnet, right? So these are the way they've been taught. Well, in the book, I'm like, this doesn't work for me. And I think it's why it hasn't worked for a lot of people and, you know, visualization, all these other practices. So for me, I taught everything in a very, the way that I think, which is I want it to be practical I want it to appeal to the left brain and I want it to be results oriented. So just one example, affirmations, don't create fantasies, lies, or passive flowery language. Create affirmations that are four steps. Number one, what are you committed to? Not what do you want? We all want things. What are you committed to? And so instead of I am a millionaire or even I want to be a millionaire, it's I'm committed to becoming a millionaire. And then number two is why is that deeply meaningful to you? So support that what, that you're, what you're committed to with a deeply meaningful why. I'm committed to becoming a millionaire so I can provide financial uh, security and abundance for my family. And then number three is, what will you do? What specific actions will you take to ensure that you generate that result? right? And then number four is, when will you take those actions? So if you follow those four steps, you're leveraging the power of affirmations, but in a way that's it's not a fantasy. It's not passive. They're very active. 
you're solidifying and affirming what you're committed to, why it's deeply meaningful, what actions you have to take to get there, and when you'll take those actions. And doing that, you're programming your subconscious and conscious mind to think and live and believe in alignment with the most important things that you're working towards. So that's just one example you know, of how all of the savers in the book, even though you've heard of all of these, they're not taught in a way you've heard. And the last thing I'll say on this, and this is quick, but Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, who's, you know, there's, he sold 26 million copies of that book. Uh, he reached out to me and said, The Miracle Morning is one of his favorite books. He had read it three times, which blew my mind. And then he interviewed me. And in the interview, I'll paraphrase what he said, but he said, Hal, before The Miracle Morning, every successful person on the planet swore by at least one of the savers. He said, you know, they attributed their success to at least one of them. He said, but I had never heard of anyone that did all six of these ancient best practices. He said, that's why I believe the Miracle Morning is changing my life and it changes other people's lives, anyone that applies it so quickly and in such profound ways. He said that it does feel like a miracle. He said, because you're leveraging all six of the most timeless, proven, ancient best practices in the history of humanity. And so I'll let Kiyosaki, you know, he said it better than I could. Yeah. And I think what you're proving is that every, like you said, every new idea has a, has, is grounded in some piece of old. Sometimes things are too new and different for people to uh, adapt to. But I, I think a lot of the success here, people maybe knew some of these or tried some of them, but you really gave them a system in which to follow and how to make it work. Yeah. I've always said that I'm not, like when I used to, was in sales and I would always give speeches, like I'm not the most brilliant guy. My, if I have any area of you know intelligence or brilliance, it's that I'm able to take these things that are complex, esoteric, right? And then because my brain doesn't work that way, you right. know, and I don't buy into it if it's flowery and airy, fairy and fluffy. So like my brain takes it, and I'm like, okay, how could I make this practical and apply it in a way where it would be results oriented, right? And then you know, so yeah, yeah, to your point, the miracle morning, I guess that is the essence of it. Yeah, I have to apply a framework to anything that is theoretical. I need, I need a. So, what's the one, two, three, four? And I, and I think that's yeah. that's how you move things from theory to practice. So, anyone who went to look for the book right now would find a lot of different versions out there. I think you've got the Miracle Morning for millionaires, real estate agents, parents, families, and and I know I uh, worked on the entrepreneurs one with Cam Harold. What's different? What's the same from the original book? That was the biggest challenge with thinking of doing a series is I go, well, how do I make each book in the series different enough to where if somebody's read the original, they're going to feel like this is mostly you know new, valuable content, but still cover the original Miracle Morning so that if someone's that's their first time they've ever been exposed to it, they've got to be taught it and they've got to be sold on why it's valuable, right? So, it's, so that was like the real the real difficult balance. And, you know, it's like, no, well, it's still, I guess it's still happening. I mean, it took a long time to get that first book kind of fine tuned, uh, which I think the first book was The Miracle Morning for Salespeople. That was the first one that we did. Yeah. Um, and so, what makes them different? Essentially, the way these books are designed is I partner with an expert in whatever niche that we're going into. So, the, last, the two most recent books that came out last month, uh, actually, May, so two months ago, in May, Miracle Morning Millionaires. What the Wealthy Do Before 8 a.m. That Will Make You Rich. That one came out. I co-authored that with David Osborne, who is, uh, has a net worth of $70 million, right? So uh, my net worth is nowhere near there. <laughs> so I, I would not really qualify to write this book, but you know he's highly qualified. And, and they, so the qualifications are they have to be an expert and have proven results in their field. They also have to authentically practice a morning ritual 
and be able to attribute their success to that, right? So there's, those are the kind of the two criteria. And then the book that most recently published this last month was Mur- The Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery, Letting Go of Who You've Been for Who You Can Become. And I co-authored that with Anna David and Joe Polish. Now, Anna David has written four New York Times bestselling books on addiction. Joe Polish is the founder of Artists for Addicts and Genius Recovery. Um, so these are two experts in the field of addiction. They're also both recovering addicts themselves, which is why they're so passionate about this work. So that's the big picture of like how the series or how each book is created from the top level down. In terms of the specific nitty gritty of what's in the book, the first few chapters sum up the entire original Miracle Morning book so that if you've never read it, you know, it does. And we, I, I, based on the reviews, we have people that this is their first, each of the series books will be their first exposure to Miracle Morning. And usually the reviews start out by saying, wow, I've never been a morning person. And now the Miracle Morning practice is part of my life, right? So I'm like, all right, check the box. We got that done. It worked, you know. Um, but then the next 70% of the book is brand new content written by my co author. And it's content on, you know, becoming a millionaire or a co- recovering from an addiction, you know, or whatever other, you know, the college student book, whatever the topic is. And then I should also say, the way that we do this is I've created a template for those first three chapters. So there's really like behind the scenes stuff. Um, but I've created a template that has a bunch of fill in the blanks. So those first three chapters that sum up the original book, they're each customized by the co-author to fit the niche. So for example, the template would say, you know, I'm just going off the top of my head here. It's not exact, but something along the lines of, you know, affirmations are important if you want to become a millionaire because blank, right? And then the author would fill in their experience as a millionaire. Here's how affirmations have contributed to me earning lots of money, creating a business, scaling my income, et cetera. And then it would go on to say, you know, specific affirmations that you should be reading daily if you want to become a millionaire are blank. And then the co-author would fill in all these affirmations for becoming a millionaire. So, so not only are, is the original, you know, first three chapters summing up the original book, it's also customized to the, the target audience that we're writing that book for. Interesting. So, you know, one of the, you focus on, on families, right? And one of the things we, we gave out the book to everyone and we have a lot of folks with young kids at our company. I know you've talked about this, but there used to be the alarm clock is the kids come screaming in the room and it's it's already early uh, in the day and they don't want to get up any earlier. So, you know, I mean, one of the challenges I said to people, I, I think, you know, really based on some of your writing and, and the cause was just just try 15 minutes earlier, you know, try getting up and not having that be the alarm clock. And, and we got some great response, but I'm sure that's one of the most common pushbacks that you get, which is, you know, I'm getting up early anyway, six o'clock and the kids could like, what do you say to the, cause I think that's some of the hardest time in anyone's life in any of these things with the young kids and the alarm clock and just, they're just starting their day on, on defense and being reactive. Yeah. Yeah. Totally reactive. Totally. Total chaos. Right. Um, yeah. And I've got, I have two small kids and uh, you know, most people, I mean, you, you kind of summed it up right there. They're waking up when the kids get up and they're still ad- abiding by the mindset that everybody else does, which is I'm going to sleep until the last minute that I possibly can. And by the way, that mindset I believe was conditioned as a child because when we were kids, uh, we only woke up if we had to, right? And it, we, if we had to be somewhere, do something or answer to somebody else, we, if we had to go to school, if we had to go to church, we had to whatever, right? And we would sleep until the last possible minute that mom and dad would let us. So it's like that's a deeply ingrained belief and, and habit and mindset. And then now that we've grown up, right, we're still, I mean, there's so much 
I'm writing a new book right now and, and I'm working with this editor and we were talking yesterday and that's actually what we're talking about is how we still have these thoughts, beliefs, behaviors that we developed as children, right? Like toddlers or even teenagers, but they don't serve us anymore. You know, and so yeah. So if you're a parent, and and, and it, you know the miracle morning for parents and families, like you said, and thank you for giving that out by the way to your company, really cool. But that really addressed the idea that if you're a parent, this is arguably even more important <laughs> that you wake up before the kids do. You made a great point. I always tell people start small, 15 minutes earlier. Guess what that's going to do for you? It's going to make you want more time. Absolutely. You're going to wake up 15 minutes earlier. You're going to be like, oh, wow, this is really nice. Like the kids aren't up yet. I have some calm, some me time. I can think. Coffee. Maybe I, yeah, I can, yeah, just whatever. I have some space, right? Like, like we undervalue space in terms of like time. And, you know, and then the kids run down, you're like, oh, like that quiet was so valuable, right? So valuable. And then what will happen is you'll go, all right, I'm going 30 minutes earlier. Like I I want more of that. That's what happened for me. My first miracle morning was an hour. And then after like a week, I'm like, all right, I want more of this. I'm going to do an hour and a half. Then I went to two hours. And you know, once you start doing it, once you get over that that paradigm of sleeping until the last possible minute, once you let that go and you let go, you know, you you let go of the limiting belief that says I'm not a morning person. Like I, I I used to hate running. I'm like I'm not a runner. I just I just I can't run. I just don't do it. I I don't like it. I don't feel good. And then I committed to run this 52 mile ultra marathon, and I committed publicly like to hold myself to it. So I bought this book on. It was called the non-runners marathon trainer. Like it was a, a training, a, a tra- how to train for marathon if you hate running. That, that was it, right? So a lot of people that are, go for marathons, they're already runners. This was actually, if you hate it, here's how you train for marathon. Like here's the psychology behind it, right? Yeah. So um, what I found is, and you know, day one, it's like, go run for one minute. It's something like that, right? It starts you really easy. But what ended up happening was... I ran, you know, then I ran, got to where like, you know, I ran, within a few days, I, I had to run a mile. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and then it's like run two miles and I just slowly crept up. Here's what I found. I wasn't inherently not a runner. It's just that if you don't run, you're not a runner. And if you start running, guess what you become? Runner. <laughs> a runner, yeah. right? <laughs> if you don't wake up early and you resist it, yeah, you're definitely not a morning person. If you shift that and you, you commit, you start waking up a little earlier, Right. You become a morning person, you know, and, and there's so many, I mean, there, the Miracle Morning has been, well, it's been purchased by over 700,000 people. I think most of them have read it, right? We have 160 some thousand people in the Miracle Morning community Facebook group that do it every day that swear by how it changes their lives. And so uh, we surveyed the community. This, I just, I wanted to mention this in case someone's listening and they're like, ah, oh, this is, you know, it makes sense logically, but I still like, you know, my gut says I'm not a morning person. So I was asked during an interview a few years ago, what percentage of the Miracle Morning practitioners, the community, what percentage of them were already morning people when they read the book? So this was easy for them. They just, instead of checking Facebook first thing, they just started doing the savers, right? And they said, and what percentage of people were, had never in their lives been a morning person. So this was like a radical transformation for them. And uh, I, I did not know the, I had zero idea. I was like, I, I, I got, that's a great question. I got to ask. I don't know. So I surveyed our community, which at that time was tens of thousands. I don't know, you know, it wasn't where it is now, but it was definitely a large enough to get a really good sampling. And 72% of Miracle Morning practitioners said, I had never in my life been a morning person until I read the Miracle Morning, until I read the book. And that was mind blowing for me. But then it, it quickly made sense because I'm like, well, yeah, I wasn't a morning person until I, you know, figured this stuff out. All of my coaching clients that I taught this to, they were like, oh, I'm not a morning person, but I'll try it because you're my coach and I pay you money to, you know, 
help me up level my life. And uh, you're, this makes sense. I'll, I got to do. And then they became morning people, right? So, and do you know who Pat Flynn is, by the way? No. So Pat Flynn is one of the top podcasters in the world. He hosts the Smart Passive Income podcast. Uh, he has kids. And when he interviewed me on his podcast, and this guy, you know, he has a seven-figure business. He runs marathons. He spends more time with his kids than almost anybody, right? Like he literally is, I mean, you know, from a distance at least. I mean, I'm, nobody's perfect, but you're, you'd be like, damn, I admire that guy. Like he's got it figured out. His priorities are in order. He's very successful. He's very healthy, on and on, right? And when he interviewed me, he said, Hal, I, I just, I'm going to, he let me know right up front. Totally discouraged me, by the way, and like got me really nervous. He said, I just want you to know, I am not a morning person. I am a night owl. I wake up when my kids wake me up in the morning. He said, and I'm living my dreams. And I am paraphrasing, of course, but he said, I'm living my dreams. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I love my kids, yada, yada. And my business is great. He said, so I, I'm not really feeling like I would, nothing's broke. Right. Would I fix it? He said, but somebody recommended that I interview you that I really trust. So I'm having you on. Let's go. He might have said that before the interview started. I think that was before the interview started, you know, before the recording started. And I'm like, how am I going to convince this guy that, by all accounts, living the dream and it's working for him? And and also, like, how endearing that his kids wake him up in the morning. He love. He said he loves that. You know, like, how? What am I going to convince? So at the end of the interview, and it was basically the same interview that I gave today in terms of you know sharing my story and how this all came to be. And he said, Hal, you know what? You've made enough points that, that that I see value in this that I never thought about. If I and here here's what he said. This is actually a lesson I haven't mentioned yet. He said, I guess during the interview, I said that uh, the miracle morning is not just about you. It's about giving time to yourself first, so that you can be the dad that your kids deserve, or the mom that your kids deserve, the spouse that your spouse deserves, the CEO that your people deserve. I mean, on and on, like the human being that everyone that your life touches, that they deserve the best from you, that's what the Miracle Morning does for people. And so Pat said, I'm willing to try it and try it for a month. Pat, he was also in the documentary telling his story. He's one of the biggest Miracle Morning practitioners, ambassadors. He talks about it all the time. He now wakes up at 5 a.m. instead of 7 a.m. when his kids run in the room. And he goes, I, and he said it increased his productivity. Now, again, this is somebody running a seven-figure business. He said the Miracle Morning increased his productivity by it was either 300% or 600%. And Pat's the kind of guy that measures metrics. So I don't know exactly what metric he was <laughs> measuring for that, but he's the kind of guy that wouldn't just say it out of thin air. Like he actually measures stuff, right? I'm the guy that would say it out of thin air because I don't measure stuff so well. But anyway, so yeah, so that, that to me is just, is such a, just a real life example of somebody that was already highly successful, had no reason to make any changes except for the reason that maybe there was another level of success that he wasn't tapping into. And sure enough, that's exactly what he found. Well, that's actually a perfect transition uh, in, in terms of thinking about someone like him. Because you know, you mentioned earlier about building your capacity around a specific skill. And I'm actually writing my next book on capacity building as a leadership strategy. And one, one of the things that we've always believed at our company is that if we focus on capacity building holistically, we will have better employees and better people who are achieving you know, success at home and at work. I think they're the same. We don't, you don't tend to find someone who's stressed at home and, and totally calm at, at work. So how do you think leaders can really hone into that and, and, and help improve the capacity of their employees through tools such as the Miracle Morning or, or other tactics rather than just focusing on you know, making them better at their job? Yeah, I, I think that. So I used to coach sales managers for actually for Cutco, the the company that I was with. And one of the first things that I would 
do with a manager that I was working with, whether it was a, you know, no matter what manager he was at, I, I would work with office managers, I'd work with division managers, I'd work with regional managers, you know, so just, you know, managing thousands, tens of thousands of people. Um, but no matter who it was, uh, it was create a culture of personal development, right? That was the, the tip, if you will, the, the key is create a culture of personal development. And it's essentially, you know, you, you can you can follow it down the rabbit hole. It's back to the that Jim Rohn quote that really, to me, kind of was the catalyst for me creating the Miracle Morning. Your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. Well, if that's true for the individual, then that's true for the organization, right? Because the organization is made up of individuals, kind of like our lives are made up of mornings, <laughs> which lead into days, et cetera, right? So if you can get your people, your employees, your, you know, your, your team to understand the value of personal development and to start engaging every day outside of work in personal development, uh, then what happens is they elevate who they are and they bring that elevated version of themselves into work. And all of a sudden, person by person by person. So let's imagine everyone, let's use the metric because if we can measure stuff, right, it's helpful. So if everybody in your, if you, if you were to measure in this be hard to do, but if you were to theoretically measure the level of personal development for everyone in your organization as a leader. And by the way, let me define personal development real quick. It, to me, that's the essence of who someone is in terms of their knowledge, their physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual capacity, right? So on a scale of one to 10, what is your capacity physically, mentally, emotionally, intellectually, right? Et cetera. You're expanding your capacity by learning, by growing, by exercising, you know, meditating, all of these things. Well, if you were to measure the level of personal development across the board in your organization, let's say it was a 4.2, right? That, that, you know, everybody across the board, it ended up being a 4.2. And then you went, okay, well, if we all have the capacity out of a 4.2 to be a 10, if I can get my team to get into personal development and start committing to practice it, then, uh, and we can elevate our entire organization to a, from a 4.2 to a 5.4, right? That's a 20%, I think, the math right, a 20% increase in the capacity and the potential and the abilities of our entire team. And we're going to see the results, right? Is it's the same thing individually. If you go from a four to a 10, your level of success parallels your level of personal development. Well, it's going to happen across an organization as well. So we have a lot of, you know, I know you did it at your, at your company, right? We have, a, there's many, we get bulk orders for Miracle Morning all the time from CEOs or, you know, VPs or executives that will buy 200 copies for their team. And then, and, or, you know, or for me, like I keynote a lot, that's, I'm a keynote speaker is like my main job, if you will. And so normally when they bring me in to speak, it's because the CEO or one of the leaders read the Miracle Morning and said, we've got to bring this to our organization. And then when I come in, they almost always get copies of the book for everybody. And then they do like a 30-day challenge to get everybody in the organization reading the book and then implementing the savers for 30 days. And there's accountability and there's check-ins and you know you can do that however you want. Some people use technology, emails, you know, whatever. And I've, and I've, had, I've taught, you know, I've had my uh, people I've coached just do book clubs, right? Where every week they're reading the Miracle Morning, they come and they talk about it, they report on the Miracle Morning. So you can use whatever system or technology or check-in you want to use to hold people accountable and, and get and give feedback on their process. But again, it's creating a culture of personal development. And of course, you know, I'm biased, but <laughs> Miracle Morning to me is the most effective personal development ritual. So if you can get your entire team starting the day with the Miracle Morning, then they come into the office focused, productive, on point, 
you know, lower stress levels on and on and on. And it benefits everything that they do at work. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been a guiding principle for us. And I think something that leaders are really missing, they're trying to extract, you know, more blood from a stone uh, where the capacity, rather than increase the capacity to give and, and the win-win, right? I think that the performance at work, but people are sleeping better, they're healthier, they have better relationships and, and they associate that with work. Well, I know we got to wrap up here in a sec. I want to respect your time. I have one question that I have to solve though. That's been uh, the, the rumors I have to solve. Who sold more knives at Cutco, you or John Rulin? Oh, Ruland sold many more knives than I have. Um, the uh, I mean, now, now to be fair, it's because everything he knows about selling knives, he learned from me because I was there before he was. So let's be real. And if Ruland, if you're listening, come on, man, you know it's no skin. Uh, no, no, Ruland is the I believe the top Cutco salesperson in the history. And what he did, I mean, he up leveled, man. We we were all selling to housewives, and then he was like, "I'm going to engrave these with company logos and go to like NFL teams." And like, dude, he's he he took it to a whole whole new level. So yeah, Ruland's the man. All right, I'm sure he'll be happy to see that. Hi, John. <laughs> That's right. Hal, thank you uh, so much for taking the time to join us on Outperform today, and uh, we'll include all the uh, links and to the books and show notes and everything that you mentioned today. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, Miracle Morning has been really transformative for myself and a lot of people we know. So thank you for writing it and for sharing your uh, journey with us. Uh, my, my pleasure, Bob. And thanks for having me on, man. This is uh, all, always fun. All right. So until next time, keep out performing. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.